I've been watching a lot of online stuff, prophecies, and crazy stuff that guys are saying about this year. All I know is that Jesus is on the throne. That is what I can tell you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you anything new tonight. I'm just going to tell you that Jesus is on the throne, okay? So a few years back, I found this amazing prayer by a guy called Sir Francis Drake. Who's heard of him? Sir Francis Drake. What did he do, Altis? He was an explorer. What else did he do? Anybody else? What did he do? They're in the rafters. I can't see. But the rafters, they're in the back. What did he do? Nobody knows. He was an explorer. He lived in the 1500s. And he was the second person, actually, to circumnavigate the whole planet. So he was an English uh, uh, general, if I understand, an admiral, actually, an admiral. And he lived from 1540 to January, 20, January 27th, 1596. That's how old he was. He was killed. Um, there was actually a, uh, a reward out for his head because the Spaniards didn't like him that much. And in today's uh, kind of money, monetary value, it was about 5.6 million. Or 6.5, sorry. That was out on his head because he really just, the Spaniards didn't like him. They called him a pirate. The English, he was a euro to the English. But just before he set off and departed to the west coast of South America, he wrote this prayer, and I want to read it to you tonight. And this is the title of my preach tonight as well. It's called, Disturb Us, Lord. Disturb Us, Lord. Don't be disturbed, but as in mentally disturbed tonight. But Lord, you need to disturb us a little bit. So you can close your eyes, and I'm going to read this to you too quickly. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we dreamed too little. When we arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. In our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wilder seas, where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of land. We shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push back the future in strength, courage, Hope and love, this we ask in the name of our captain, who is Jesus Christ. So tonight I want to read from a scripture in Philippians chapter 3. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Paul's writing this and he says, I press on. But I want you to note quickly, just before we continue... What the previous verse says, he says, 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This is so apt for each one of us tonight, that we are now laying hold of the things that are lying. Forget about the things that you didn't do in 2021. Forget about them. They're behind you. They're the past. You cannot go back there. You cannot change some of the things. And if you've messed up, just get up. I always say this. If you have to fall, fall on your knees. Fall on a place where you can, in that position of prayer before the Lord and forgiveness and say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. I'm pressing on. So he says, I press on. What do I press on? Towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I would love to unpack this verse with you tonight. So the first thing that we see here is I press on. Paul says this. Paul says that it is the habit of life. This is in the continuous tense. He says, this is a habit of life. I don't stop. I continue. In actual fact, Paul at the end of his life, he writes to young Timothy and he says this, I am poured out like a drink offering. He says, I have given my life. I am spent. I am, I am, you know, there's a saying that says, and I know it's an earthly saying, it says, it's better to burn out than fade away. Come on, let's just run flat out for Jesus. And that's the attitude of Paul in the scripture when he says, I press on. It's a habit of my life that I do this every day. When I get up in the morning, I determine to press on towards the goal. And what is the goal? Earthly goal. We'll look at that. The earthly goal is Christ-likeness. But ultimately, there's this horizon that's beyond this, which is called eternity. And I think we have settled. We have settled for the things of this earth. And we forget what is lying ahead, the price. The price is ultimately Jesus Christ and seeing him face to face. Right now, we're seeing him uh, in a mirror dimly. We're seeing uh, just, a, just a little bit. We're not seeing the fullness. And I cannot wait. And this is the tension that each of the disciples lived in. And this is the tension that the book of Revelation was ended off in when it says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. We live with that every single day with the tension that Jesus can come back today. The disciples lived with that. Paul lived like that. He says, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is the gain. I don't care. But we hold on to life and we forget that there is an eternity. It's a lifelong commitment. This is not just a, I don't want you to walk out here. This mustn't just be a resolution tonight where I say, okay, well, from tomorrow, I'm going to start pressing in. This must be something, a lifelong commitment. Christianity, for me, 29 years ago, when my buddy said to my mom, Tony, this net a phase. It's been a 30-year phase this year. It's a long phase. But was it an easy life? Was it easy as a Christian? No. There were five years that I ran away from the church. I was offended. I was offended with the church. You can ask my best friend there. He sits there. He's my witness. We've been friends for 27 years of that 30. 28, sorry. See, he's grayer than me, but younger than me and wiser. 
press on. Funny enough, this word, dioko, the Greek word, it actually means to pursue, to prosecute, <laughs> or persecute. So when you press on, I'm going to try and explain to you what it means really in the Greek, that you get the full picture of what Paul is trying to tell us here. It means to follow or press hard after, literally to pursue as one does a fleeing enemy. That's what it means to press on. The same language that is used for chasing. Who has chased? Witspringers al gevang. Ek weet, ek het gekyk vir jou, ek het weet wie aan, ja, Jan David, jy het vang springhase. Jy moet al lang chase, ou. Jy moet lig op omskyn, en dan gaan ek jy vir jou sê wat jy daarna doen, nie, ok. <laughs> but you've got to pursue it. You've got to chase it. And that's the same language that Paul is using here. He says you're pursuing an animal. It's like running after that thing. Like a hunter finding the prey. Finding that thing. It's the same as the enemy. You, you pursue that enemy. That's the same word that is used here. Dioko. To chase down a criminal. It speaks of an intensity of effort leading to pursue with earnestness and diligence in order to obtain. In other words, I want to catch that thing. I want to press in. I want to press on. So that I can obtain the price, Jesus Christ. I'm not just running without the price. You see, the Bible is very clear that none of us should just be like a boxer that's just beating in the air. He says when you become a Christian, you need to count the cost. It's like a man that builds a house. Who is building here? Who understands building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about this building. We who who understands building? Jy moet die baksteen tel na voordat jy begin bou. Daar is a quantity surveyor en daar is al die ouwens en hulle doen die calculations and they do all these things to, otherwise somewhere you're building, you're like, oh my goodness, we just ran out of bricks. It's a biblical principle. He says, count the cost. Count the cost before you become a Christian. And when you're a Christian, keep on counting the cost. That's exactly what Paul says. In that verse, an intensity. It also talks about zeal. Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, quickly. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law of blamelessness. What Paul is saying here, he says, that's what I did. I had so much zeal. I persecuted the church. I pressed on to find every single Christian and kill them. That's what Paul said there. That's Paul's life. Paul is using himself as an example. He says, that's the same zeal. Now with the same zeal that I had to destroy the church, this is the zeal that I have now to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about zeal a little bit. Let's quickly also... The same word, the same word, dioko, is used in Matthew 5, verse 10, in this context. Same word, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted, dioko. It's the same word for righteousness' sake. 
for those that are pressed in, who are pursued by something because of your righteousness. It's the same context this word is used here. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Just wanted to, there's several, there's several, several, several praises. So one who lives as a Christian and actively represents God's point of view to a lost world should not be surprised if he or she is persecuted. If you press on towards the goal, if you press on to Jesus, if you say in your heart and determine in your heart like, like Daniel purposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with the king's delicacies. Daniel was a young man that made that decision and said, I'm not going to defile myself. If you make this decision, then you must know that the world's going to hate you. The world's going to persecute you. For righteousness sake. But the Lord says, blessed are those. Doesn't matter. But Lord, I'm struggling with this. He says, well, you're going to be blessed. Doesn't matter. You might not find your blessing here on planet earth. But your blessing will come when you are Jesus. David Livingston. Who knows David Livingston was? He was a pioneer medical missionary into Africa. And upon returning to Great Britain, was asked, where do you want to go now? Because he explored quite a bit of Africa. And without hesitation, he said this, I'm ready to go anywhere, provided it be forward. <laughs> provided it be forward. That moment that we stand still, my friends. You know, we, we talk about being backslidden. It's not like God stands still and we do like a Michael Jackson little move, you know. Ooh, ooh, we go backwards. No, no, no. You stand still. God is on the move. He's always on the move. The Israelites, they, I mean, yo, I wouldn't want to be one of those Israelites. Three million. That's counting men. Okay, three million. Try and move. I can't even move with my family of four. Okay, and get them all in time in the car. Okay, so here's old Mo, you know, and Aaron and a bunch of the guys right in the front. They're like, okay, we got to stop. It's three days later, the guy in the back hears it. We got to stop. Okay, cool. By that time, somebody has shouted, oh, the cloud has moved. Now you got to move. And this poor guy is like, just built his tent and now he's breaking up the tent again. Just imagine it. But when God moves, we have to move. We have to move. We break camp because I am following the cloud by day and I'm following the fire by night. I've got to follow. I press on towards the goal. J.C. Ryle said this about zeal. Zeal in religion is a burning desire to please God. It's a burning desire. And each one of us should have the zeal within us to please God. To do His will and to advance His glory in the world in every possible way. Use every opportunity 
Use every opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. We live in a lost world. I saw it two nights ago. I live in Diaz Beach. I saw little girls being carried. I saw little girls carry big boys because they're too drunk to walk. I have seen an accident where guys have clipped their buckies. Pass a bucky is sticking. It's a lost world. It's a lost world. That's what we live in. This is the reality, my friends. I'm not detached from the world. I'm not like, oh, no, no, I'm saved. I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready to go home. No, I am in it. We are in the game. An Olympian, an Olympian athlete, do not become an Olympian athlete by watching videos, by reading books, by going to seminars on how to become an Olympian. No, no, no. Olympian athlete, Olympic athlete gets into the game and he's determined to win. We have watched books, read books. We have watched DVDs. We watch, we listen to podcasts. My friends, it's time that we get out there. We preach 52 very good preachers from this pulpit once a year. Can you remember any of them? <laughs> this one. I had a friend that preached the same preach for weeks. And they asked him, why can't you preach something else? He says, if you start doing this one, I'll preach something else. I press on. I press on. John Wesley said this about zeal. He says, get on fire for God and men will come and see you burn. Nicholas von Zizendorf, go read up about him. He's quite an interesting guy. I have one passion only. It is he. It is he. It's about Jesus, my friends. Tozer says this. He says, how do I... How do I get this? How do I press on? How do I do this? You need to get dissatisfied with where you are right now. You need to get dissatisfied with your position. That's the same thing that Steve just said. It's that point where you just look at yourself in the mirror and go, I don't want to look like this anymore. I don't want to struggle in my finances like this anymore. I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to. The journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. A friend of mine said the journey of a thousand miles starts at the ATM. No, it doesn't. It starts with the first step. You can change that thing tonight. Tonight, you can step out of that thing. You can press on from today. You need to make that decision. I can't make the decision for you. You need to get dissatisfied with yourself. You need to be serious about this. And then, my friends, somewhere you need to start witnessing. So what do we press on to? And I want to end with this. I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal. And this is the Greek word, kata. It literally means down. So it could be translated down upon the goal. And this is the picture. Can you put that picture up for me? That's it. That's the goal. Have you seen a runner? I mean, they go down on that thing. It looks like they're going to strike and fall and, and go. But they, they cross the line. 
They have pursued the goal. The goal is that line that is breaking there right now. That is the action. That is exactly what Paul means when he says towards the goal. That's the picture. That is the picture. You can keep that up there. It's the idea of a runner straining every fiber, bearing down upon the goal. Everything has seen, everybody, you've seen this before in the Olympics, the sprinters bearing down as they near the tape, seeking to edge out the competition. That little bit, that extra, that little bit extra that you're straining forward, that is towards the goal. And the goal for each one of us is Jesus Christ himself. The one to whom we continually look. We look unto Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We look unto Jesus. The price, my friends, here on planet earth is to be like Jesus. Christ-likeness. That's what it is. What a high calling this is and worthy goal God has given to each one of us. There's also a, the word goal, just to, just to, to towards is kata, but the word goal is translated scopio or scope. It means to direct your attention upon a thing, either in order to obtain it or because it has a peculiar interest in it. Or a duty to fulfill towards it. We get the word microscope and telescope from this word, scopos. And that's where elders come from, episcopos, to oversee. That's the same type of word that is used, just by the way. It refers to that which the eye is fixed on. The distant mark looked at. The goal or the end that one has in view. Scopus was used to refer to a target for shooting. In the present context, it refers to a moral and a spiritual target. I want to hit the target. It's that little, 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 little cross. It's amazing, eh? That when you go shooting, you look through a little cross. You always look through the cross. The cross is your goal, my friends. You go through that cross, and then you pursue Jesus. And that's the scope. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus in this year. 2022 is going to be a year where we're going to look to Jesus for miracles, for healing, for our finances, for our families. Man, I have faith to see many come to salvation. I have been blessed by the mere fact that we have seen so many people get saved in this congregation in the last six months that I've been here and just the people that have been baptized man and I want I don't want you to wait a week or two or three or four or five or six Dion well done yes you did it two weeks and you're like yes I want to get baptized man let's do this it should be a burning desire in your heart it shouldn't be a case of like should I or shouldn't I Listen, if your parents are in the Ingekak, let them go and talk to me. I've been there. Okay. You dip a Oma. You don't sprinkle it. You drop the biscuitki. You don't sprinkle the biscuitki. Go do it with your parents that are not believing in baptism. Fat your biscuit and I sprinkle your coffee up. Now your pa says, he's stupid, man. 
Jy doop om, en sê vir hom, ah. Been telling you that. Okay, don't do it with a, with a, do it with a humble heart. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you to come back and they all smack me. Huh? I've baptized young people before and the father had wanted to come and shoot me because I baptized. So he said to me, I must unbaptize them. And I was young. So I said to them, must I pull them backwards to the water now? Because I pulled them this way. What must I do? <laughs> I can't unbaptize people. Paul says this, he says, for me there is a price in the high calling that God gives us in Christ. It is to be like Him. So my friends, in ending this year, well not this year, this sermon, this year, <laughs> may the Lord disturb us. Because maybe we have just sailed too close to the coastline because we want to be safe. A skillful sailor is made in the rough waters. You can't learn to swim in a cup of tea. Okay, you can't. Sometimes it's better that you go out there. It's when you're tested in the wild seas that God does miracles. Because then you know you're not trusting in yourself. The Bible says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Do you know why? God spoke to Israel and said to them, they will never use a horse or a chariot in fighting, ever. Go and check it out. The first person that had chariots and horses was Solomon. The first one. He broke the Lord's command because he started trusting in his horses and in his, and in his chariots. Now imagine you go into a, into a battle. This is like going with a homemade bow and arrow against a G5 cannon. Those oaks were coming at you with horses and with chariots, and they were faster than you, and you call me Israelite middle donkeys. Imagine. Why? Because God says, you will not trust in yourself. You will trust in me. I will fight on your behalf. The battle is the Lord's and the victory is ours. So this year, disturb us, Lord. Let us battle complacency, man. Let us battle it. Let us do away violently with all kinds of mediocrity, lukewarmness. Let us lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. And may the Lord ever increase and we decrease. And let us press on towards the goal, as Paul says.